just Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Big week, Andy. Business end of the French Open is upon us. NBA Finals are upon us. I, I think we, uh, we don't even really need to set up a show. There's plenty to talk about. How are you doing? Yeah, I had this argument with myself and then rehashed it with Noops this morning on uh, Brown Bag. I was like 95% certain the NBA Finals were tonight. Like, and it, <laughs> it, it, it just, like, I didn't check a calendar. I didn't have a date. It just, in my brain, like, my, my rhythms just felt like, all right, it's been enough time. Like, yeah. we've had enough days since, you know, the, the games that were last played in the conference finals. Like it should be tonight, but yeah, no, I mean, we do have a hockey game tonight. I'll watch that for sure. It should be yeah. a little a different than super high profile soccer matches yeah. recently too. There was a yeah. finalissima today. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have, see uh, that? There's, there's a, a, a USA hardware, hardware went to Argentina. Uh, we had Ukraine take care of business. Not surprising. They, how they well did they their job. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, women's, the women's semifinals are set up and now the, yeah, we're done. We're right. The was the rune rude match the final quarter? That was the last of them. We now know so our final, our four final, our four finalists. Eight. Our quarter price, our quarter markets have been graded, settled. settled. Some surprises <laughs> in yes. there, to say the least. Um, I know. Nice. I, I you know what I said? I'd do this too, and I didn't because I'm a dumb fuck. But Noops is so bent on. Beating Iga somewhere, and I will just say her name however I want. Um, <laughs> no idea who the fuck you're talking about. Iga. Um, <laughs> and he he makes good, but he finds good bets. It's just I don't know if anyone can beat her in her current form. She's just gone so well, end boss. Nobody so I'm, in yeah, nobody now. left. Yeah, yeah. Nobody but left. like Zach, I mean, Zach maybe, really maybe good golf. For a bit. Golf maybe, should, maybe golf's go. gonna give her. Well, that, that's the thing. So I said that. I said, all right, nobody's gonna beat her. I said I'm gonna take all of Alex's outrights that he placed, and I'm gonna bet their quarter prices. And Corey was probably like seven, eight, one. Yeah. So sure. I feel dumb that I didn't because, but I, he does. Alex has a thirty-five to one on Coco. I really do believe she wins and ends up in the final. So, I mean, go look at the odds uh, if you want to right along with that theory but that'll of what was left let's just say in the into the quarterfinals of what was left i think the golf golf is a an opponent is probably best case scenario for seeing a half decent final oh a hundred percent there was there were some there were some situations where you know golf is still young she bottles one against somebody she shouldn't yeah and we end we end up with a what a 10 to 1 underdog in the final or something here horrible uh eight to one you know yeah yeah uh you want to talk tennis first yeah let's just start tennis okay let's yeah they, they, we, we, we've today. done it we've done a decent service to the nba over the balance of this NFL we won't, and we won't we won't miss we haven't the talked NBA. We'll, we'll talk some nba yet today 
I don't mind talking tennis either because I've been watching a shitload of tennis. Um, My favorite slam for sure. Actually, I've been also listening to a lot of tennis because the broadcast leaves something to be desired. Um, the radio Roland Garros, I have to give them a specific shout out. They have been the fen- just phenomenal play-by-play. And it has got to be the toughest sport to do play-by-play calling because – it's tough. It's tennis. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, tennis. It, it, and the, the, these, this team, the teams are incredible. And uh, Gigi Salmon had the uh, the Rafa Joker match yesterday. She was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Great, great commentary. And just in general, Radio Roland Garros has been, um, you know, been a delight this entire tournament. Um, but uh, before going there, let's let's recap the quarterfinals a little bit. Yeah, real real quick, somebody did ask a question. Do we have the quarter price on the men's? Semifinalists, so like Nadal, yeah. Nadal was about plus one fifty, and then Zverev yeah. and Zverev and Rude were about three to one or better. Yeah, three and to one. And Chilich, Chilich was like fifteen. I, yeah. I saw some twenty there. was the best price I saw for him yeah. in the quarter. So I think so like, the legal shops were hanging sixteen ish. You know, obviously yeah. Nadal was not the favorite, even though it was only plus one fifty or so. No upsets in, in all quarter. four quarters. Yeah, upsets so. in all four. None of none, none, of, the, none of those uh, were the favorites. None so. of the chalk prevailed, but the chalk did make it to the quarterfinals, which gave us some absolutely mm-hmm. epic quarterfinals, at least on the top. Um, and we'll start with the the you know the match of the day yesterday, which was Djokovic Nadal. Um, why are you missed making the this? End. I missed you the did? end. You did? Well, I I had scheduled had stuff going on. Yeah, I scheduled uh, an IMAX viewing with the wife of the new Top Gun, and. I didn't realize they were going to start that match at like fucking midnight local for some reason. So I missed uh, the fourth set. Uh, I I had no doubt. No, I came out of the movies and the LIV golf thing had come out and Nadal had finally won and a bunch of shit, a bunch of shit had happened. Like two hours is is an eternity nowadays. It is. Were you fired up out of a cannon though coming out of that movie? Oh yeah. It was so good. Oh, okay, good. We'll get. I'll get some more. I'll ask some more review questions for you at the end. Then um, I'll probably go see it this weekend. Uh, the um, let's talk about the Nadal Djokovic match for a second. And uh, you know, this is coming from a perspective of someone who had a healthy position on Djokovic to win the entire Slam, and that position was based on watching Rafa Nadal limp through a set as pathetic as he ever has looked uh, at the end of his run in Rome to Denis Shapovalov. Yeah. And then the quotes and the body language and everything was speaking. He might not even play Roland Garros was kind of my thought at that time. And Djokovic was peaking. He was crushing. He's got the experience. And it's like, oh, man, this is a two-man race between Joker and Alcaraz. Joker is more experienced. Let's just fire away here. Well, Nadal came into this tournament. He played his way into a a little bit of form. And then he was really pushed hard by Felix Algier Aliassime. And that ended up being a five-hour, you know, five-hour marathon, not a four and a half-hour marathon, five-setter. Um, Nadal prevails, and it's like we hadn't seen anywhere close, not even a like maybe 60, 75 percent uh, of what we had seen uh, to you know in that first set from him was the problem. Pro- like that was like the leap he made from any other clay tennis he's played all season. So the way he came out in that match against Djokovic, he was painting corners. He was, you know, painting lines. He was nailing corners. It was masterful in that first set, the degree to the level he was playing. And that was somewhat expected because we figured, I figured at least he had to come out firing if he was going to have any chance to win that set. He was going to have to take care of it quickly because I thought the longer the match went, the more tilted in the balance of Djokovic. 
Um, oh, for sure. No, it just, uh, I mean, I was, I didn't have any money on either man in that one. And all I could, you know, that second set, I was just getting, even though it wasn't up to two nil, I was getting shades of the Sitsipas final. It's like, man, you, you can't let this guy creep back in. Like if you want to get this done, because I was as surprised as you same kind of vibe. You know, we had that, that Rome match where we said I, I was in the same thought process as you. And that's why I tweeted that uh, just a little joke about father time and Rafa yesterday. And somebody pointed out, you know, Hey, they're the same age. It's like, yeah, they are, but like coming into this tournament, it felt like Rafa was a broken down man based on what we saw in Rome. And like you yeah. said, Joker was, you know, he's eating, he's gone vegan and his peak just, of, peak of his powers. Yeah. No vaccines. That maybe that's what fixed him. Maybe, maybe the anti-vaxxers are gonna run with this because <laughs> yeah. he uh he's he's looking very good for his age. And and then Rafa just decides just to hey, yeah, guess what? I'm yeah. I'm 29 again and I'm just yeah. gonna yeah. Oh my God! Like the court coverage. Yeah. He's so old to be doing yeah. that shit. He, some of his gets were just out of this world good. And now again, even sitting there watching the first set and watching him dominate, I was like, "Okay, expected this. Let's see how long he can keep it up." That was yeah. kind of my take. Like you know, like oh, let's see if let's do do it again. Yeah, you yeah. come out, yeah. come out, come out and yeah. punch yeah. him in the mouth. Yeah. But can go, you keep it again. up? And he came out in the second set and he punched him in the mouth again. And that was kind of the critical moment of the match because last year's French Open semifinal match was almost the same blueprint. Rafa came out hot, was dominant early, hit Djokovic first in the second set, and then Djokovic slowly worked his way back in and then basically outlasted him with endurance. And I figured the same thing was going to happen again. That, but Djokovic gave up a second. Yeah, he gave up a second break. He got broken a second time yeah. in that second set. And at that point, you saw Djokovic really, really have to basically go from, okay, I thought I was going to be able to get away with playing 75, 80% uh, and just, you know, kind of outlast him. Now I got to go 100. I got a red line here to get back into the set if I'm going to have any chance to say, salvage this match. And I think he redlined for too long. And it That's, was too was hard for question. him to get those breaks yeah. back. And so he basically, you know, he exhausted himself. And you you could tell watching it live. Like, yeah. he was just, he's screaming. He's, you know, he was emotive. Like, it was not comfortable or easy for him to get back into that set. And after the second set was over, he gets a little bit of a break. And, like, all the adrenaline wears off. And he just could never recover it. Like, he spent too much of his, his, uh, his reserve there. Uh, and Nadal got him in the second. And then... Djokovic made a pathetic attempt in the fourth to to rally. Um, you know, Nadal eventually, you know, I thought he broke back pretty easily as Djokovic was trying to serve for the match in the fourth. Uh, and then the tie break never really felt competitive. So um, congratulations, Rafa Nadal. He's a champion. You know, I don't really, I sh we shouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, it was... This has happened many, many times before, and it will, it will presumably continue to happen. Uh, but it uh, sucks that uh, Djokovic uh, went down without more of a fight, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and that, was, that, yeah, that was my question was, did I mean, you already answered it. So did he just blow his wad in that second He set? shot his wad. I mean, I mean it, it really felt that way. It's like, man, he had to – and that, yeah. that's where just like, I think he's done. And somebody even said that in, in our tennis chat. Once it got to, I believe it was 3-1 there. And so what what was it? Uh, 
Rafa broke. So Rafa He was three out. He was three oh. He had broken yeah, he was, twice. He was three oh, he'd broken twice. And then we saw it go the other way. Yeah. And and at some point, you know, somebody said to you know, do you pack this in and just get him in the next set? Like, man, do, do either of these guys ever do that? <laughs> like, it just, it just, well, Nadal a, does sometimes. He's definitely, he, ha- he gone, has been, like, but, um, this is going to take five. I'm just going to go yeah. for one, three, and five. <laughs> like, yeah, like certainly more, seen him do that. A little more prevalent in best of five, but man, it's just so hard because I was looking <laughs> at like the live, the live market for the total in that set. I'm like, I just can't trust either of these guys to against each other. Like just be like, I'm taking this set off, <laughs> and, yeah, and right. sure enough, it went up. It was six yeah, four second set. So yeah, um, uh, but yeah, great, here's, yeah, great, here's... solid match. And honestly, it still wasn't the best match of the day. No, like, no, no. Seeing seeing Zverev do like what, and get it, Sasha. Like we made, and uh, it felt like it was maybe a little anecdotal how much we teased him about best of five, but he'd never beaten a top 10 opponent in a slam, which is wild that it took him till he was like already moved up a generation and he beat some fucking high school kid to do it. It's wild how long that took, but again, another semifinal and out of anybody, like I was very, very impressed with Rafa, but then at the end, but then at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, if he's healthy and motivated, this isn't surprising that he can play at this level. I was way more impressed, I guess, just with where my expectations start with uh, the way that Zverev played against sure. somebody who should have beat him. Like, yeah. and again, it's t- it's tough ask for a kid that age. Even he's played some big matches already, and you know he's yeah. done some things. But this is best of five, second week deep into the tournament of a slam, yeah. and that's yeah. that's still a big moment. I think it's fair to say Rafa won that match. He won it. Yes. He played. He he brought a level. He wasn't going to lose. See coming. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I didn't. He brought a level. I didn't see coming. He brought a level. Djokovic didn't see coming. He brought a level that Djokovic needed God. to expend too much of his energy in order to counter, and that was the match. The um the first match, Zverev's winning sets one and two. It didn't really feel like. I mean, he was playing. His serve was on point. Like it was firing. He was dialed in service wise. Yeah. But. The story of sets one and two was Alcaraz just playing very, oh, very for, sloppy. for sure, very yeah. sloppy tennis. Uh, and I was surprised personally. I, you know, I was like, did not see yeah. him playing that sloppy at all. Like that was a surprise. Um, but I didn't kind of give up hope that he was going to be able to come back and win three two just because of what he's seen. What we see from him throughout. I just, yeah. I just I assume. Like, oh, yeah, just, so just assume. Well, and just, yeah. uh, and also, it, it's, <laughs> excuse me, it, it's Zverev. Like, yeah. If there was a guy who's going to bottle it from, I mean, yeah. he had, he was serving for the match at one point. Yeah. My biggest position on the match it. was the over 36 and a half games, I believe. And I, I made it about a 40 game match. And I was sweating that third set. I was like, man, is, is, is Alcaraz ever going to break through? Like, like Zverev's serve is just too good. Like, you know, you know Alcaraz reigned in the unforced errors, which was good. He finally broke through right in the nick of time. Win six four. It was hugely emotional moment, and then the fourth set of that match was the best set of tennis we saw seen in the entire tournament so far. It was extremely, extremely well played. Both players more winners than unforced errors. Both players were, um, you know, I thought extremely strategically sound. 
tactically sound and played clean tennis. And Zverev got the first, you know, he got the first break and he had the opportunity to serve it out and bottled it <laughs> as predictable I mean, that, that, as you could ever, like, yeah, as predictable a bottling as you ever have seen in life. I mean, it, what, was it triple break point? Like yeah, right yeah, away? Yeah, 040, yeah, down 040. Yeah. 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 This is just, just bang right away. Gave it back. They go I to a tie good break. Chuckle at that. And, um, you know, the tie, that tie break, the fourth set tie break of that match was the best tie break I can remember seeing. There's probably other ones I'm forgetting in recent time. Yeah. But that one was high, that was high leverage. It was really well played. And Zverev made some unbelievable shots. And Alcaraz was playing his best tennis. He was not making mistakes. He, I think there was only maybe one point where I thought, you know, he let that one go. He should, you know, if he had gotten that one, he probably wins this tie break. He didn't. He had set point and he missed it. Uh, Zverev comes back, wins the match. And I guess I don't think any of it was Zver was Alcaraz looking ahead. Sometimes younger players, when you're like, hey, look, I'm going to the semis. I beat the hell out. I beat the shit out of this guy in the Madrid finals. Yep. Um, you know, he did, he doesn't gab me. And I'm going to the semis. I wonder who I'm going to play, Djokovic or Nadal, right? Like, I didn't get the sense that that was any contributing factor. I got the sense that Zverev just came to play that day, played a very, very clean match. And, um, you know, he, he didn't bottle it in the tiebreak, which can happen. Um, so I think if that either of those matches goes to a fifth set, I think you probably see the other outcome. I think it's probably a Djokovic-Alcaraz semifinal if both of those go to five. Um, but both players raised their level when they needed it, got the fourth set tie breaks, and that's it. Game set match. Zverev Nadal. Yeah. You got an uh, opinion? Uh, unless there's some wild letdown. I mean, what's what's the most what's the most number of sets <laughs> that uh Zverev can win here? He can win this uh, match. I, he can win this match. I don't think you can dismiss it. I, I don't. I haven't seen him. I don't know. Even this tournament, it's not like, oh, man, he's just been serving like nuts for for two weeks here. It just really ramped it up. I'm more worried about him. Just, oh, shit, that was a one-off where he played really well against you know a, a young player that uh, I'm, I can't imagine the head-to-head -head looks very good on clay. It's still, um, it's, it's maybe like one and three, one and two. Yeah. I don't remember. Got them them. In Madrid. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I don't remember them playing much. Okay. You remember their first head to head though. That was the, uh, that was the genesis of the tennis chat. Indian Wells. Zverev and Nadal going head to head. Did yeah. Not, I'm just Zverev, thinking on clay. Zverev breaks out for the first time. No one ever heard of this guy other than he had one junior win. Um, well, I think we'd heard of his did, brother at that point. Oh yeah, Misha Zverev. <laughs> like we knew Misha, no. but um, Misha was older but worse. Yeah, Zverev breaks onto the scene. He's like, "Oh god, this kid is good as shit. He is the next gen. This is going to be a great match." He took Nadal to toe to toe at that Indian Wells match. Probably should have won. Absolutely framed a volley that would have been match point or would have given him match point. I can't exactly remember. I think it was match point though. Um, and he loses the third set tiebreak. I want to say. Um, really, really, really good match. And it was kind of like Zverev's coming out party. Like I can go toe to toe with this guy on, you know, with no, with no real reps at the ATP level. Like this is, this is how good I am. 
Uh, he's played. He played him. Backed that up with a really competitive run at the Australian yeah. Open the next year. Took him to five I know, steps. but it just the the way he's played so far in this tournament, it just still feels like the the Alcaraz match was impressive, but it hasn't been like something he's been building to, and he's been just really you know striping a serve the whole time. Yeah, yeah that, sign, so sign collectibles. Verev struggled this tournament down match point versus Baez. Two tie breaks versus Nakashima. Struggled early with uh, versus Zapata Morales. Yeah. All of that is true, but I will also tell you that a, a younger Zverev would have capitulated in all three of those. He would have lost all three of those. He would have lost no, all and, three and that's of what I'm saying. So, like, you take. Yes. So you got older Zverev yeah. who would have lost those. You got this Zverev yeah. who did lose those. Yeah. And then we still have it. Like this. This is different. <laughs> this is still Rafa here. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's. I think I. The total is going to be a little low. Okay. I think Zverev takes a set off him, but it's okay. probably three, three one, three one Rafa, and okay. then. Chilich, I agree. I agree. Chilich, I agree with that take. Rude is, I, well, well, let me, I let me just add one other play to that. Price. Let me add one other play to that. When is the one? It's the first set. It, it does Nadal, feel like he has to come out hard. Zverev has to come out hard, and Nadal yeah. can let this match come to him. Nadal can let this match, you know, kind of come into fruition as opposed to going out there and firing all of his bullets out of the gate i think if nadal because nadal being, being down a set to him doesn't scare him no it doesn't scare him and, but but the opposite is is scary where if he yes. goes out there and goes hard and exhausts himself and puts himself in any kind of a uh, a perilous state physically early in this match then he's then he's then he is uh, uh vulnerable he is much much more likely to ease into this match which is a more classic way that Rafa tends to take on some of these younger players, in my experience. Three ones um, plus two sixty plus two seventy. Yeah, I um, like I like first set money lines, Vera. That's my favorite look in the match. Yeah, you get plus plus one seventy there, maybe a yeah, little better a if great, you hunt around. Great, that's a good <clears throat> plus one eighty three a penny. There you go. That. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hopefully hopefully we have a good match. I want it to be a good match. I'm worried that it won't be. Um, I'm, I am, I'm honestly, just because I, I'm worried and I think it won't be, I think it'll be a less than competitive three, one match. Okay. I'm actually more excited for rude Chilich. Okay. And it is, they haven't done order of the play order of play. I'm assuming that'll be the first match though. It ought to be. <laughs> it, feels like, <laughs> it feels like the, they're going to play that one early and the, uh, the late match, the, you know, primetime Monday Night Football will be obviously Mr. Nadal showing it up on. I'll let you say the the name of the Philippe name Chatrier. Yeah, you're just much better at the French. <laughs> Philippe Chatrier. I I just I sound <laughs> like a, I, yeah, I sound I just Almost sound like a it. Disney character from like fucking <laughs> Aristocrats. Aristocrats. Yeah. Aristocrats is a whole different movie. Whole different um, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Rude Chilich. Rude. I thought, and as well as Chilich has played and how far Chilich has made, doesn't it feel like this could turn into a, a trucking? You think? Or, or do you believe in Chilich and Clay? Like, I, it's tough to it's tough it, to divorce my it's did. tough to divorce my prior for Chilich on Clay from what I've seen this tournament. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um. That's right. Nothing, nothing about Chilich. Well. Nothing about Chilich getting to this point was fluky. He did have somewhat 
of an easy quarter. Yeah. But he, he still won. Not only did he win, but he played some really, really good tennis. Um, I thought, actually, shit, man, dude, his his performance in the fifth set tiebreak today against Rublev was eye popping. Like that was a player I did not know existed. Rublev, he's been around. No, challenge is quality. <laughs> the way you phrased it sounded funny, though. Um, yeah, it was it was an easier quarter, but you still, I mean, look what. Uh, you could argue that Sasha had an easy quarter. Some had, he let yeah, sure. he let some of those matches kind of get away from him. Chilich has looked good against easier competition. Yeah, the the Rublev match was uh, a war, but he got through it. That that would be the the main thing. Would be, you know, I I'm, I want to go look at court time too. I okay. feel like I feel like Rude maybe has played a little less. Uh, a little bit. It's probably t- it's probably tighter than I think, but. No, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lay like the. I'm not gonna lay the. I'm not seeing it at a ton of places yet. I know that, but it's looking minus two hundred ish right well, now me, for yeah, Rublev. That you know, what, rude. That's probably fair. Minus two hundred is probably fair. So, so honestly, um, I'll probably sit that one out. The checks. The checks opened up. Chilich at plus one twenty. Okay. Uh, Marathon, which is effectively the Russians, opened it up plus one fifty. It's been bet up to plus one eighty. Um, bets on what do they have? Uh, I don't see them yet. One X bet plus one eight, one plus one twenty up to plus one sixty. So rude, rude. Uh, rude, people were really willing to run to the window and lay the lay the price with rude. Um, so it's been a one way market so far in favor of rude, and I get that rude. He's a he's a he's a clay player like this. That's his that's in his genes. It's in his literally. It's in his genes. And, um, you know, his best results on tour have all been on clay. He's won a shit ton of titles in the last two years on clay, but it's been all like the secondary stuff, like the Kitzbulls and the Gestads and the uh, Genevas. And uh, it actually, you don't know, let me pull it up. I think he's won. You're going to laugh at these titles, honestly. Like, it's like all of like the trash titles. <laughs> oh, clay. good. You won. You won Umag. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, actually, I don't even know if he did win. I don't think, I don't, I he definitely so. has played Umog. I, and actually, I would, I would assume he'd play it. It's close. You, remember, you, you want to do a quick recap on Casper Ruth's career? Because, because again, and I got another great parallel with the tennis chat. Like we were around when he busted into the scene in uh, Rio. Uh, felt like, like yeah, felt like he, that was years ago. Holy Ghost, years ago. Yeah, the Holy Ghost. Um, bust on the scene in in uh, uh, in Rio. Um, didn't under didn't even know who he was. No, and we, he was a huge like, dog and was just somebody remembered his dad. Brazilians. Yeah, like is that is that yeah, <laughs> that's right. Is that Christian Root's kid? What? Say same name, Norwegian. It's gotta be, right? Um, but uh he has eight career titles. Um the let me see. All, here. all on grass. Oh <laughs> he is still looking for his first. Oh no! Sorry, excuse me. He has a hardcore title. Yes, San Diego Open. How about that? The SD Open, baby. <laughs> Did you know that? No, God oh, no. I didn't know That's that. surprising as fuck. He, is he that, made it was to it the an ITF uh, or is that Challenger? It was last October. It was before they played Indian Wells. They must have done a. They must have done a one-off. I don't remember match in the San Diego because, like you know, they you know they used to in the fall they did like a bunch of uh, East you know a bunch of Asian swing. And that all got canceled because COVID. They must have just created the San Diego Open as like a 
one-off event to warm players up for the Indian Wells that they played in the fall. It Whatever the case was, he won that. Six hundred thousand dollar purse. He beat Scam Norris six zero six two. Um, two fifty. Here wow. are his other titles: Buenos Aires Clay, sure. Geneva Clay, Bastad Clay, Gustad Clay, Kitzbühel Clay, Buenos Aires again. A lot of, a lot of Geneva mountains, again. By the way, what's that? He, strictly in the Andes and the Alps, apparently. <laughs> yeah, also, that's a good point. A lot of uh, a lot of Switzerland, Austria. There. It's a good point. But, uh, He's made. Uh, he made. A, he made a deep run in Madrid, uh, which again, mm -hmm. interestingly enough, is uh, um, not this year, but last year made a deep run in Madrid, which is also at elevation. Uh, he made a deep run in Miami this year, lost to Carlos Alcaraz in a competitive not final. Not at elevation. Not at elevation. Near, but, near but slow, but slow level. hard. Um, anyway, just goes to say, all of his success has come at the 250 level and on clay. Well, let's uh, effectively. Well, let's we'll wrap up the men by. Are you betting on this match? Because I now that I'm looking at it, the price this is dog or pass. This is dog yeah. Pass. The price seems pretty fair. Yeah, this is dog or pass. And at this point, once you know, once it becomes widely available and it's in the if this you know, total like, in the plus one minus two hundred plus one seventy. What's total are you seeing? Thirty nine ish. I don't have it up in the book. I'm looking at. It ought to be in that thirty nine range. It is might there, be lower. Is there a total up, or you just have money lines? uh sign collectibles what do we got 39 and a half 39 fair and a half. those numbers are fair like i'm yeah. probably staying away from all that yeah i don't know that i'm gonna bet that much okay. <laughs> if i bet it what am i gonna play first set over maybe okay so rude serve was pretty clinical honestly he's had a shit ton of aces today he had a lot of first serves in you know who else's serve was clinical today marin chilich 33 aces unreturnable a lot of them um, and I would say Rude had 13 aces. Yeah, he was he was very, very good on serve. So maybe like a first set over. Maybe you're gonna get a ten and a half ish first and set first break. set go first set tie break, yes. Um, that seems reasonable. Uh right now the first set is oh, you can get over ten and a half at plus one seventy two. Tie break, yes, plus three hundred right now. I think that's the bet. <laughs> I think that's what we got. I'm going to bet a first set Zverev money line plus 170 and a first set tie break yes plus 300 and then call it a uh, call. Where, it where are these up right now? I got to pull up a different book. <coughs> oh, one X bet. Oh, I told you. <laughs> you need to live in India for that. <laughs> um, all right. On to the women. Um, yeah. one, one of the matches doesn't really count. It's, it's just, a, it's not, it's well, not. What do you think? What, she what, still I guess, still play. Let's talk about Iga real quick. And the total you can give is me, eighteen get, you, and a half. Give me, what, give me a little. If you had to bet it, eighteen give me and a half, little, over under. Give me, oh, under for sure. Oh, on absolutely under. It's under um, a pass. Under like, a pass for sure. Uh, you give me, give me a little color of Noobs's Iga. Uh, like what his angle is because I got to tell you, she is on another level. Number one, and the field is on another level low number two yeah not just just who's remaining but really but, the entire field yeah and I, I think the biggest thing is that just when you have someone like this it creates some value yeah because sure. despite how good she is like one why you know why 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 is a player rated highly why would a tennis player be rated highly because they have they possess skills at their sport 
higher than those of their opponents. Yes. So that is something that's going to be hard for them to lose in a short, a short time span, like a two week period. That's, you know, within their control, that's going to be almost constant, you know, players skill level or their, you know, their performance will go up and down a little, but something completely out of their, you know, it's a slip and fall on sliding on the clay. Like that's where, when you have one of these massive favorites, it's almost certainly a little overpriced. You're paying a premium. And when that happens, it does create a little value on some other people in the draw, especially again, it's not, if she had to win three matches, uh, you know, make her minus 500, whatever, that's probably fair yeah, price. Sure. But if, if she, you know, winning this many matches, staying healthy, not picking up a knock or two here, mm-hmm. not picking up, you know, your worst match of the seven happens to be a, yeah. against Zhang's best, which probably actually happened. Yeah. And she still, she still <laughs> came back and won. You know, it well, just Zhang it, pulled her hammy. We'll, t- we'll talk on yeah, that yeah, match yeah, and yeah, Zhang, yeah. And Zhang, Zhang in just a minute. Zhang, Zhang um, did get hurt, but, um, it's just little things like that. You know, there's a long tail to things out of, you know, you, you hit a ball at a linesman. And yeah, I was just going to break. I know I was going to say other shit can get defaulted. Um, yeah. Dominic team is a slam champion because Novak Djokovic hit a ball into lost a gen- lost, gener- lost generation. Um, so either way, just in closing, like I, I get it, but boy, I would rather just see her win based on my future. Oh, without <laughs> yeah. question. Oh, dude, dude. plus one fifty the week dude. before someone added. If something, silliness. if something happens to Ega, I mean, find me in a ditch. Find yeah. me in a ditch, man. It is not going to be good. Um, but no, there. Are, so a couple things. Obviously, uh, she's that much better than the field. Yes, your point is hundred percent fair. External events, uh, you know, black swan shit like does exist and you're basically counting on that not happening. You're, you're bet you're banking on, you know, no black swan, which is, which is fine. Um, the, um, the general like thought, I guess about Iga's arc at this French open, it felt like she, I mean, she peaked in Rome. I mean, clearly like she was playing her best tennis and it elicited a very real memory of her first Roland Garros title. She was absolutely untouchable in in that uh, fall 2020 slam. You go look at those scores. Yeah, you go look at those dominance ratios. Where, where, she was untouchable. Where, when you were saying she peaked in Rome, were you saying you're worried about coming down off that peak? Or are you saying similar to that, it's just going to be a walkthrough? No, I'm, say, I'm saying just she had an amazing spring. She won mm-hmm. two masters or whatever they're called. What do they call them? The premier lady, lady masters, lady masters. She went two lady masters. She went two lady masters in the spring. She won the golden swing. Is that what they call it still the golden swing? I think so. Anyway, she won Indian Wells in Miami and then carried that form into clay season and was unbelievable on clay. And I thought got better from day one to her Rome title. Um, and she's riding like a 40 match win streak at this point, but it felt like she was carrying more pressure at this French Open than what we saw last time when she won the French Open without, you know, because she was totally new on the scene. No one knew that was coming except for a handful of people, right? And so the pressure looked to be real, and she ran into some opponents who played her hard. Like, people brought their A game. They didn't wilt, right? Like, you, like one of two things Is that Krejcikova here? 
Uh, which year? What? Well, well, when year was the Krenchikova like peak? That was last year. She one just year ago. did the one year. Ago. Yeah, where she did the Medvedev thing. Where remember that year with Medvedev? It was like, oh, he's gonna get tired eventually. It's like, fuck, this guy never gets tired. It's yeah, like that, yeah, that's what we saw from Krenchikova. It's like, shit, this shit, she just keeps doing it. So yeah, no, it, it was. Um, she came into this tournament. She got a challenging draw. And her opponents, rather than basically being like, well, I can't beat her, I, I give up. They came after her and played very, very well. Kovinch did it. Uh, and Zhang, we mentioned. Uh, Zhang had a breakout tournament. She was has been the second best. Eh, I'll put her third now after what we've seen from Coco Goff. Zhang was, the, you know, was playing top five level tennis on clay at this tournament, which was totally unseen, unforeseen. Uh, she's only ever won Futures 60K shit. Um, never broken through at any kind of a professional level other than that. And um, you could not deny the fact that her wins were bona fide, awesome, excellent wins. She buried an, an out of form, Simona Howe, buried her. And she has a game that's very, 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 very similar to Igas in terms of the type of tennis she wants to play. Go, going so back was, to your yeah. pressure comment, though, did you yeah. were you worried about the pressure on – like just everyone assumes you're gonna go Nadal on this, so like, because I feel like I wonder if that's an overrated angle. Because I don't know, I've said it too about things, but we thought, you know, we thought that a little about Barty. It's like, man, is there a lot of pressure on her to win her home tournament? Because it'd been, it, we had to go look. It, some woman I've never heard of won it in like '72, and that was the last Australian winner uh, of on the women's side down there. So I mean, they're they're that pressure thing. I don't know if that's a thing that really i'm sure it exists but man the, the people who play sports at the highest level are wired so differently i don't know i just you know stuff like that just doesn't seem to get to them and outside of the zang match it doesn't seem like much has got to her at all yeah a couple of couple of corrections thank you to science collectibles does he call it i was the sunshine I, double i was uh, just gonna let you run with sunshine it. double uh what was i saying the golden swing well, yeah that's the golden cool. swing is, is the south, south america, south yeah, american, south american play. Play. Yeah. um and then yeah she was zhang was down a set and a break to Halep, but she was basically still figuring out her game like, yeah. like how to beat her and as soon as it clicked it was over in my opinion, I thought the quality of tennis down the stretch from her was was pretty outstanding. Um, the uh, anyway, she overcame Zhang. She lost a set. Thanks for nothing, Iga. Uh, I think I had six to one on her to, uh, to win without dropping a set that I was pretty excited about. Um, but that's okay. Just get take care of business here. And honestly, you mentioned it. The under is the only angle you can play against Kasatkina. Congratulations, by the way, to Dasha. Um, nice very run. cool. The very cool. Cooter. Very cool. Uh, her she, was price win... she was favored over Kudamatova. Yeah, right? she was. But what was her price to win nice Q2? Win. Her price to win Q2 must have been like 18, 20. I was going to say 25. 25. I, I didn't think she was. It was a big it might, She was, was like sixth big favorite or something. She was down the board for sure. And she yeah. she, 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 you know, she gets through. Uh, she's playing really good tennis this year. Um, you know what, though? It's not going to be good enough to win many matches. Yeah. I mean, win many games against Iga, at least unless Iga, you know, bottles a bit. 16 um, to 1 says collectibles. Yeah. We need to almost like DM this guy one. before okay. we do tennis. Steps, just, <laughs> just, to make, just to make sure he's in the chat to help us out. Um, 16 to 1 sounds about right. Anyway, um, it was um, it was impressive run from Dasha. Congratulations. Dasha has played. She has one win head to head. Did you know that over Iga? She is not uh, unfeated. 
She has beaten her once. I'm guessing it was a while ago. It was not actually. It was 2021, but it was on. No, but that's a long time ago yeah. in uh, the career arc. It was a weird one on grass in Eastbourne. She beat her in three sets, I think. The boot and um, the boodles. Yeah, but you know what? We have more to go on, including three matches this year, all on hardcore, granted, which is Dasha's worst surface. Yes. But I say worst surface. It's not as strong a surface for her as clay. Um, but the um, the three matches were all very, very convincingly eager. It was very challenging. You, know, you want to guess what it is about Dasha that makes it tough for her to uh, to win against a player like Iga? She can't serve. <laughs> See, I mean, I was going to say, like, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to just go with that because that feels very, <laughs> I mean, well, it just feels. It's reductive. Like, yeah, it's reductive. Well, yeah. Well, no, no, it's, I mean, less, I mean, it is reductive, but also it feels like stereotyping because sure. I can say that about, like, half the women. <laughs> sure. Like, sure. Well, she's like her 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 actual point construction, and once she gets into rallies, like the like the like the gap between where she's like 99th ninety fifth percentile there, but her serve is like sixteenth percentile, and so um, I have I have a very tough time seeing how she will hold serve in this match in this moment. Um, and I think Iga, on the other hand, not only will have no problem holding serve, but uh, will break quite often. Um, this is, I mean, if like, congratulations getting here, Dasha, but four games seems like a win in my mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what did we get out of? We got five today. I've had a Pagula, and that Pagula? actually felt like a more competitive match than it was. That first set that first set was a little bit competitive to start, <laughs> and then it just kind of got away from her. Um, Coco, Coco and the other one, I've already bet the over, because that's what we do. We take Coco overs. Coco overs, although it hasn't been super profitable no, in this tournament. She has oh, yet I, to have I a three-setter. Yeah, she has yet uh, to have a three setter today. We're, we're I, I never want to say we're due, but this, this, feels like <laughs> you've been martingaling Coco over. No, 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 I haven't bet one yet. Noops, <laughs> noops put me on it, so I'm on it. I'm okay, on so it. he thinks Trevisan can go uh take a set, maybe. I think we see just some longer sets, longer sets. Okay, Coco, Coco is playing well, but it's still it, it almost feels Alcaraz ish, where it's still a pretty big spot. For a pretty young person, Trevisan is, you know, not on her level right now, but it's still the WTA, baby. Like the, it's she's probably she's probably a little too juicy of a favorite here for. I don't know. It feels like every favorite's too big in the WTA. Uh, it felt except like one, uh, except if, one, except one. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like Trevisan was pretty lucky. To get by Fernandez, I thought. I mean, she won the first set 6-2. She won the third set 6-3. Covered easily, but um yeah. Uh I think Coco wins in straights. I think she's punching her ticket to the final. Maybe she gets I, I, I think she wins. Yeah. Yes. What was the total you bet? 20 and a half. So you need like a seven, five, six, three. I just needed a 10, a six, five or a six, four, and then an 11 game set. <laughs> seven, you can five, only get to three. 21. You can only get to 21, seven, five, six, three. If you're doing seven. a math at home. Actually, I yeah, think seven, I think, six, six, two gets there too, right? No, I, seven, I, yeah, it does. Yeah, that does. You, you go tie break and tie break, double break. 
Yeah, yeah tie break, so tie I break. I feel like, yeah, awesome. close first set, you go tie break, and then it probably goes 6-1, and I'm mad. But um, all right, so, yeah, I think, again, we could talk about the final, but yeah, more, more of the same. So we'll get to that when we get to that. And should we, uh, should we talk some NBA? You were talking NBA in the timeline today. And was it was interesting. It was interesting. Well, oh, we were you talking, talking five thirty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, and because a yeah. computer cowboy there, he had a good point. He's like, "Why would anyone post stuff that's this far off market?" And I, I loved your your response down the line because he said, "Is it just engagement farming?" And you said, "If it was engagement farming, they would just make they make the warriors like they, they were back. They did it backwards. Yeah, they did it like, backwards. Like they switched the numbers. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, how right. we joke around. Some fan bases are worse on Twitter. Yeah, like yeah, you you just you make it so the warriors are like ninety five percent to win, yeah. and everybody in Boston who you know is you know the the top half of Boston that yeah, understands how to use a computer." Us. <laughs> they they would they would just get mad and i mean there are and it is a bigger fan base like i'm sure if that's what you do you piss off the bigger fan base and just let them hammer on their <laughs> keyboards yeah and sure. yeah that's how you get so what do you actually think and you did have another good point you said best case or be, it wasn't best case i'm paraphrasing but you said like something along the lines at a minimum it's letting people start to think about betting as a percentage that's something we've hammered on for years and oh, that was a, sure. a yeah. big step in both of our betting you know how we think about it is rather than you know it's minus 110 you know starting to look at things as is 52.3 you know it's minus <laughs> 300 you know starting to yeah. look at things as a, a, a perceived uh, or applied yeah. percentage sure so i mean i guess that's Step, that's step one in thinking probabilistically, which is an important aspect of succeeding in this. Maybe a little bit of positive of positive out of a massive negative, but I don't know. Like Nate Silver's a smart guy. It's a smart company. They do a lot of good stuff, but then every year they put out these NBA percentages that are just wildly. And you brought up the one that my mind went to right away again, too. It's like the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors were like massive favorites and they put it out. Here's what we think. Warriors are like three percent or five percent or something <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Like, yeah. It's like, well, that isn't right. Like you're 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 wrong. Yeah, yeah. So that would be it'd be one thing if they were like incredibly right about that and then yeah. continued to be like predicting upsets, but they've been just incredibly fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. But they could be right this year, and and then there'll be a healthy dose of confirmation bias, right? <laughs> They're probably already feeling it. I think anyone that has like an aggressive number on the Celtics is probably feeling a healthy dose of confirmation bias right about now, myself included. Like I've definitely kind of talked to myself, yep, they're exactly as good as I thought they were when I was looking at their regular season numbers. Uh, you know, like I'm, I could be the next person stepping into this trap pretty clearly. I've bet a lot of Celtics to the finals. Um, so let, I, let's talk about the, the modeling part of it first, and I'll give you um, my two cents there. What they're doing is like it falls into the extreme black box category they are applying zero uh they're applying zero context to anything that they have in their database that they're using to inform the numbers which is why in a season where lebron is not playing defense in the regular season they can say the cavaliers have an 11 percent chance to win the east when they're market favorites 
right? Like there's a the what like the market knows when we get to the playoffs, you're gonna get a different level of performance out of the stars. You are. It always happens. The rotations change. Like you get you're gonna shorten the rotations and LeBron's gonna play defense. You can't take a regular season LeBron all in one stat, no matter how good it is, and apply it blindly to make some sort of a postseason prediction on a series or a team strength. You just can't do it. And the the example that we were joking about with the Warriors when they were massive favorites to win the title and 538 gave them a 5% chance. Yeah, that what, was on, what was their odds pre, I'm going to say pre-tournament, pre-NBA playoff tournament? Like Minus one. Yeah, they, they were like the, minus 105. I feel all, like I bet the them all, that year. At the All-Star break, they were like minus 400. It was absurd. That was the Durant that's, Curry. That's game. silly. Yeah. That was the actually no no I I I I because I remember I can betting exactly them that what it was. I remember betting them that year when the NBA started. I wrote all I'm this like, shit down. I'm like, am yeah. I gonna bet a team that's like minus money before the tournament started? Oh, because people had done it a couple of years in a row. It was a great yeah, way like, to put your Bitcoin to work for you. <laughs> like like just, shit, just, gonna... just 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 hold on to it's this. Kinda, and, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. my uh, Avalanche Western Conference futures. Like, yeah, it's not a great price, but. Why not? Um, the the Warriors were I was a little exaggerating there. They were minus two oh seven at the beginning of February. Still, still, that's <laughs> months before the season's over. Yes, yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were on the super team. Like nobody was beating yeah. that team. Like that's that right. was the reality we lived in. And um down the stretch, what happened? I think Curry and Durant both missed a ton of March and, and almost all of April, right? Like they literally punted on getting the one seed. They gave it to the Rockets. And they, like, if you were using game or box score data to inform any price on the Warriors using the last 15 games of that regular season, yeah, you were like, like, this oh, is a lottery. Bad. This is a lottery team, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, this is like a lottery team. They don't have a chance. Yeah, this is the Hawks. Yeah, you apply a tiny bit of common sense to your black box and you're like, well, maybe we should use, um, peak Durant rating and a peak Curry rating and uh, you know, a playoff rating for some of these players. And we're going to get so, a different so, answer. So what is, what's the hold up here? And it ha has, it been something similar where it's like, honestly for both that's, that's what confused me. Cause I'm, I'm with you. I realized like, that's what that problem was. Yeah. But with this year, it feels like they should be further down on the Celtics based on just, you know, most of the regular season, but at the same time, like, I guess the Warriors too. You know, the Warriors were so they third, do a time third, they do a time day they do a time decay. Yeah. So they're upweighting the end of the season. Number one, sure. And I don't know if you. So that makes sense then. Yeah. I don't know how closely you were following the end of the NBA season. Not really. The Celtics were putting up like ninety six Bulls numbers, right? And so if you're a computer black box algorithm that's just looking at those results and you're like, we got the 96 bulls, right? Like that's basically what their computer has going into this playoff run for the Celtics. And, yeah, you know, for those them. reasons, um, they're coming up with just obscene prices. A worm. Yeah. Like. Have you tried this one yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. It looks good. Caffeinated. Nice. Um, and so right the, the funniest part about this is that like it has taken the market a really long time to believe what they are seeing with the Celtics. Sure. There has been a huge amount of hesitancy 
to buy in on this team for lots of reasons. Like the roster, like just so because the, one, co the is, co you know, starting with the coaching change, then the the first half of the season, you had some injuries sure. throughout the middle. Like I get it. Bunch of COVID early in the season too. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, down the down the stretch. Actually, let me find out when and, and, to, and just middle let, of January on Martin Luther King Day on this team go, was unbelievably go good in the go, and then go go playoffs. Like, I don't know how you would do some sort of power ranking on this. I think you can do it without numbers. I think you just use your fucking eyes and your brain. But like, they've had the harder path. The Celtics, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like by a lot. Like okay. that's where I wanted oh, yeah. you to quantify it. Be like, oh, and they had this much more of a harder. Oh, path. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, when we were talking about futures at the beginning of the NBA playoffs, mm -hmm. one of the most salient points was, how in the world can the Heat be five to one to win the East, when they basically have a buy and a quasi buy to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And whoever comes out of the other half, be it Nets, Bucks, Celtics, is going to have to move heaven and earth to get there. Right? Like, that's just, it's the math didn't make sense. Yeah. Right? But, and that meant that the math also didn't make sense on the Celtics price or the Nets price or the Bucks price for that matter. Because in order to get there, they were going to have to do it themselves and beat the hard teams at every step of the way. Right? And so there was, it was a clear, as clear as you will ever see distinction where you pick Celtics or Nets in that first round one series, whoever you thought was going to ultimately then go on and win the Eastern Conference Finals, bet and roll over the series prices, you are going to far outpay whatever the futures price was at that time, right? And that has absolutely held true. You didn't even have to high point the price in series. You could have just pre blind, blind pre-bet the series. Celtics lost game one. And of both uh, round two and the Eastern Conference Finals, so you could have gotten even better prices. Um, but you just blind, roll, you know, bet and roll over, bet roll over. Shit. Uh, um, yeah. After Game Three, like th there was a Game Three where you could have got a really good Celtics price. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I ended up after with the Game Celtics. Five of the Bucks season series, the Celtics yeah. were plus two fifty or something. I was gonna say I had a minus one ten for the Heat the heat series and i think it was after game one there you go that was the plan and, that, and it was they were yeah, drawing was dead in game yeah. one and yeah. had bet them yeah um okay so so there was that yeah, wasn't my zero, plan it made zero plans point, other man it made zero point zero sense to bet into the celtics futures at the beginning of the playoffs because number one you already missed the best of the price by a mile like there were 25 50 to ones uh for you know for conference and and title in season that you missed um but even then you could get 15 20 to 1 ish if you roll over these four series which is what i think it, the ultimate payout would be if you bet pre-series into all three of those four of these series so the question is i guess the there is there has been a a consistent lag of the market believing that the celtics are as good as their numbers say they are which i think is fair frankly like, this isn't the 96 Bulls, ultimately. They're a team that is playing really, really, really well. And they have a bunch of young players that have all taken really significant steps forward, especially late in this season, 
notably Jason Tatum. Like Tatum is like all in one, every all in one stat you can look at. Tatum is basically at like at or above Kevin Durant level right now, which is not something that people would have expected before this, you know, before the playoffs started or even close. Right. And if you have a player of that that quality uh, and you have a bunch of other really good young players around him and you're well coached and you have a flexible roster and good bench, like the, the Celtics check every box. They're a very, very good team. And I think realistically, the result of the net series was maybe a little misleading to the good. Like they're not going to beat the Nets 4-0 every single time you run that sim. You know, they're going to beat them 4-1, 4-2 sometimes. Um, they're not, you know, that was a little bit of a, you know, maybe maybe people got a little over their skis. Um, I thought that the result of the Bucks was exactly fair. Of course, Middleton wasn't involved in that series, but I think you run that a thousand times, the Celtics probably won 60% of them. Um, and then the result of the Heat series, I thought was a little underwhelming, uh, right? Like they were when better you, than what beating the Heat in seven. When you say over your skis, because you say that a lot, is it because oh, sure. you tip? Is it because you tip forward? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're too far over your skis. Like you've, taking yourself out of balance don't have a lot of ski resorts in Minnesota. i mean yeah, we yeah. do but they're horrible and you can barely fall down it's like yeah you're a little little too eager a little too uh a little too excited a little too oh you're overreacting to the good not that um, i haven't crashed on skis but it's the just... important part is the last series against the heat yeah like, go back to that you say you were un even though they won even though they won in seven the 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 fact that it took seven and the fact that they had some stinkers in that series, I think mm -hmm. cooled people on percept from the perception standpoint. The fact that it took to the you know the very end of game seven, even right, like it, it if they it was it was Another not as uh, um it was not as convincing, but well, I will also point out you wanted good NBA games. They also had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those players for a lot of that series. Um, so I would take a lot of that Eastern Conference Finals with a grain of salt. And in fact, I think both teams probably have COVID. I think both, I think like the kind of the up and down kind of weird nature of that series, the bad basketball kind of nature of that series could be explained a lot by illness. It's certainly a lot by health as well. Like the Heat were completely injured. I don't even know how he got to seven, to be honest with you, considering the state of some of those players. Uh, this game six Jimmy Butler performance was pretty unbelievable. Um, but Celtics ultimately, I think, are are as good or close to as good as their numbers say. They're just not – you just can't time decay, wait the end of the season performance from them and make them the 96 Bulls. They're not that good. Um the Warriors, the perception of the market, the Warriors in the market is the opposite, in my opinion. I think the market's way, way, way too high on this team. Their path through the playoffs was incredibly favorable. They got a, a completely depleted Nuggets team with Jokic on his, you know, on, on fumes. What they didn't even really beat them as convincingly as they ought to have, in my opinion. That should have been a sweep. They got a Memphis Grizzlies team that was figuring itself out as a young team and then lost its best player. And then they got a Dallas Mavericks team that was happy to be there. 
And I did realistically. And their best player like, was out drinking. Yeah, <laughs> their best guy. Well, I don't know about that, but he certainly was That's not focused on that series. Anyway, the, it was pretty obvious that like the path to get to this point test it's it's either it is either battle tested the Celtics and you know harden them for uh NBA finals or it is exhausted them and I don't really know the answer to that question. Yeah, how much how many games do you think this Warriors team wins against the Timberwolves? Two, three? <laughs> they, they 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 were lucky. They I still they would have smashed the wolves. Yeah, I think so. They it have was still, perfect. They have the perfect the per the small ball lineup for the Warriors would have utterly eviscerated yeah. the wolves. When, and that was the funny thing about like the and again going back to games that happened a month ago. <clears throat> whenever whenever Memphis went small, it was like, hey, remember when the Timberwolves were up by 15 points like four seconds ago? And then they just they'd bring a small lineup out and it would just work. I never understood why they didn't just do that constantly, but I don't think they had the depth to be doing running that out there yeah. for 30. You know who minutes. has a team that can absorb a small lineup? The death lineup? The Celtics. Celtics. Yeah. So I mean just <laughs> yeah, overall right. thesis yeah. is you don't know. You're sitting on some Celtics futures. Yeah. But you think it's going to be a good a good series. I think it's going to be a Celtics in five. Oh, really? I'm on dubs and six. Ooh. I don't I have any empirical that. evidence. I just you just want something fun. No. I just I just want a good I'd be happy with anyone in seven. Okay. Well, I'll let okay. So I have not <laughs> consumed a ton of sports media. So I have I was not just gonna joke about making that bet. Dubs. I, I was going to joke, can I just bet anyone? In, yeah, that is a bet. Like, I can just bet anyone in seven. Let's find some overs. Oh, yeah. Over six and a half is a over, big price. Yeah, I'm going to just bet it's that. It's like plus 240. It's a big number. Yeah. I'm over six and a half is a big number. Serious um, props. So, a couple of reasons I like the Celtics beyond just the fact that... Um, well, actually, let's talk about this. William Bookman. Great question. Wilkman. So... Right now, the Celtics are three and a half point dogs to the Warriors. In you got to read the question for the podcast. If Warriors win game one, I, you know, I was setting it up. They're, okay, they're okay. three and a half point dogs in game one, okay. which means most likely outcome is the Warriors win game one. If the Warriors win game one, what is the series price on the Celtics? I would, I would wager real dollars that a win versus a loss for the Celtics in this game one is imbalanced in terms of series price adjustment win probability added. It's like a 40 cent difference. I think that, yeah, I think that Celtics go plus 130 to about plus 180 on the downside. And I think they swing from plus 130 to at least minus 150 on the good. Right? So maybe you lose 50 cents on the series price if they lose you gain 80 cents to a dollar and if they win that's my general feel you think it could be more because the no, celtics that's... are up one zero do you think they're higher than minus 170 no that's fair that's fair i get what you're saying and some of market perception some of it just where the game is and how yeah. that what that holds yeah. for home court for the rest of it so and so you're saying and again to answer the actual question you're saying Plus one eighty, plus one ninety tops. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. That that was initially I was going to say because I was kind of having the same thought as you. I just didn't have an eloquent way to say it. it was I was going to say I bet it don't get to two bucks. 
because because yeah. there are there are yeah. plenty of series where you have this price range on a series and game one goes to the home team and it's plus 210 sure. like that you know or worse it did yeah. you know, it's depends like how oh yeah no if, if if the warriors win by 10 like they have been at home for whatever reason if they come out if they if it's a competitive game for a half and the warriors come out and they do their third quarter thing where they nuke people and everybody yeah. everybody's onto that surprise and they're like whoa whoa this, this, yeah this, this is this is how it's gonna go um you know maybe maybe it gets to two plus 210 220 could be but um it's gonna take a really impressive game one from the warriors to do that and i i'll be honest like i cannot find um <laughs> andy redeemed himself in the coconut water incident <laughs> What was the comment? I guess I guess pe- people don't like electrolytes. <laughs> no, he, a couple people said they liked the the bubble. Oh yeah, the bubble, the bubble. Um, the uh, but yeah, the um, I don't see a matchup that I check in favor of the Warriors for this series. I can't see it. Have you heard or read any media or talked to any smart people that are like, well, the Warriors have this. That that's a hit, hit the Celtics right in their Achilles heel. Follow up. So Golden State wins game one and the Celtics win the series plus 400. So let's just say you get a plus 180. Let's let's say plus 180. And what is the Warriors money line right now? About minus one. Minus 130. 40? I thought it was a little higher. You know what? I'm actually going to pull this up because I want to get this right. So we have a game tomorrow and we have a money line price of... Let's, it's minus 160. You know what? I'm going to use Bookmaker. Minus I make it. See, like, I'm skewed on this. I'm crazy skewed on well, this. Well, let, let's go in between years in the market then. What, what What's a good center point between 160 minus, and years? Minus 140. Okay. Well, minus 140 is like 1.714 um, times 2.8. It comes out to about three plus 380. Yeah. So I mean that that Wilkman that price is probably fair. He's saying that Warriors win Game One, Celtics win the series. He's getting a four to one prop price on that. Probably getting a little value compared to the parlay, but it's uh, and also there's you know you could do a rollover. I guess you just bet Warriors money line and then roll it over onto a Celtics series price if you don't have that sort of prop. But I don't think you bite to four hundred. It'll be close. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, we we talked about. We talked about MVP a little this morning on Broadback too. It's been a, you know, it's been a minute since games. It feels like every year it's like, all right, if this team wins, this guy's the MVP. But man, there's a lot of just here's the two guys, I guess, and there's some cases to be made for some long shots. Boy, that it feels like ninety percent of the time, it's just the two guys that win MVP, and there's a groundswell. For Curry, have never won one, and who knows how long this uh, Warriors dynasty. I I know how long this Warriors dynasty is going to last, and it's not much fucking longer. So I think if he does win, the voters are just going to have to give it to him. Like, and I said that to Noops too. I said, you know, there's cases for some of these other Warriors, but like in some of those cases, Curry has to play kind of bad. You know, not only does this other guy in the Warriors have to really step up. Curry can't be good. Great. He can't be great. And if Curry doesn't play great, 
Like they're not giving that team an MVP because they lost four games. You know, it's 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 a catch twenty two if you want some of these long shots on the Warriors. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with that. I, I think, don't at all. And you know, I think yeah, I think I the long shots don't are maybe disagree. on the Celtics. Yeah, I especially don't disagree on the Warriors because I I personally think Clay Thompson is a non factor in this series, offensively especially. The Celtics have they're so fucking good at perimeter defense and cre- and making you take a tough shot. And Clay is just not making his contested threes. I think that is going to be a very, 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 very tough ask yeah, for him to Clay, contribute offensively. Clay can series. absolutely have a great game. Six for eight from downtown, 32 points. But like the odds of what, what I've seen of him, the odds of him having like three of those is kind of what you need to to make that happen. It just him. I mean, there's a few other guys that just, it just doesn't feel like it's a thing. Like again, if the Warriors win the series, Steph Curry has to play good in almost all the games. And if that happens, he's just going to get the MVP. So it's, it's tougher to make the case, but I think there are like two or three Celtics you can make a case for, especially if the game plan turns to let's put, you know, some of these, some of this defense we have, Take Tatum out of the equation, and then you have like three guys on the Celtics that could step up. It's just that's a hard equation. I don't know if you had thoughts on that. I agree with that 100%. I think Tatum is rightfully the favorite, but there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that you look back and you think, how did I not make more money on this series if you're betting into the MVP market? Yeah. I mean, he, he could, they could do whatever they want. He might just transcend that. And outplay that defense and still win the MVP if the Celtics win. But yeah, Brown Smart and maybe a couple others. Like there's there's for sure cases to be made. I don't know if did, did you have a favorite? I don't know if you've talked about it on other shows yet, or if you had some MVP thoughts for any of those three guys. Well, I think I think it's probably a two man race realistically. I mean, Smart could get an yeah. MVP. I mean it could, but I think realistically, um, I would. I am personally excited to see if the Celtics have a couple adjustments up their sleeve where they put a bigger boy on on Steph. They put a bigger body on him. I'd like, like, I'd. I would be fascinated to see if Tatum can defend him one v one. I don't know uh, if he's quick enough. Tatum. He's quick, but man, that's that's tiring. He's chasing insti- a little he's, guy around. He's instinctual as shit, though, in terms yeah. of knowing where guys. He did an amazing job defending Durant in that net series. Um, Durant Durant's bigger than Curry, right? He's bigger, but it's that that's that should <laughs> make it that guy. much. Tougher. I know, I know, I know. Durant, a healthy Durant might be the best player in the league. Like, yeah. So no, I think I, I mean realistically, uh, you know, I don't I'm think I don't think Smart is is worth a shot. I think it's either Tatum or Jalen Brown if Brown ends up going nuclear offensively, which is possible because he's got a better matchup. So, what was the one, Dan? What was the one that that uh, Noobs found? Was it Horford at, playoff playoff PP? Was it Horford at like 120 or? Something? That's not crazy either. <laughs> see, see, I, I think there was one. Yeah, it, it's funny this happened like eight hours ago, and my brain can't even remember it. But he had one this morning. He's just like, hey, like I get it. He said all the same things we just said. He's like, but 
FanDuel has Horford at 120 to one, and that's, he's, that's he's like, he's like, that's just a bad number. Like, you should probably bet that if you can. So, yeah, no, I, nobody, so, nobody who can, nobody who has had a game in the playoffs that we've referred to as the your name here game should be over 100 to one. Yeah, yeah. So it here's the here's range. the other funny thing. People point to Draymond Green and what he does defensively as like the master, you know, like the the the, the secret code for the Warriors, right? It is neutralized exactly by Horford in this one. Like the Horford Draymond Green, that is a draw in my opinion in terms of what those two players do on the court and their roles and responsibilities. I don't think Draymond Green has much of a role in this series defensively. I don't think we're going to see a ton of Kevon Looney or Robert Williams in this one. I think this is going to be a small ball series generally. Um, Robert Williams obviously is hurt, but I don't know that they really need him a ton. Um, and I think um, uh, I think Kevon Looney is going to get played off the floor um, in general. So it's going to be a good series. I think the Celtics win in five. That's my official stance. I got that at nine to one. I got some Celtics minus one and a half games in case they take it to six. And I'm going to bet the Celtics pretty heavily in both games one and games two, assuming that they're equal dogs in game two. I mean, a great, the best case scenario, Celtics eke out a lucky game one. And then game two, the Warriors are even more of a favorite because people are like, well, they got to dig it. They, they can't go down 0-2, <laughs> right? Like that would be, that would be the best case scenario if there was like, you know. Which is kind of what happened in the Nets series, honestly. That, that this does happen at prices. Like when the home team needs a win, the price is weird. The NBA price markets can get really goofy when it's like, well, this is where the team, you know, <laughs> because and we've made this joke on how many other. It's not a joke, even. We've made this comment on how many other podcasts where we've talked to NBA. It's like there are just games where it's like you got to play defense today. <laughs> and I get it. it. It's the playoffs. They're playing defense every night, but it's like, then it becomes, you really got yeah, to No, no, we got to play four quarters of defense. Not, not only, yeah, not <laughs> only that, but yeah, we're not putting, yeah, you're playing 10 extra minutes yeah. and, and we're, the rotations are all going to be defensive based. You know, it's just, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. So, I, hope, I hope it's a good series, whatever. I don't give a shit. Hopefully you win. Yeah. I don't I care who so. wins. Um, Sorry, I know you do. You put money on it. <laughs> back to the 538 thing. That's why they don't give a shit. They don't have skin in the game. That's nobody, right. <laughs> nobody remembers. Like, the, uh, yeah, they, you can tease them about it. Well, that doesn't hurt. Nate Silver's not watching right now. It's just Lipscomb and Wilkman. Wilk, you know, that we're not going to hurt Nate Silver's feelings. Like, yeah. So he doesn't care. And there, by the way, there will continue to be terrible, terrible projections by black boxes across every sport increasingly so probably mm-hmm. over the next handful of years and eventually they're just going to figure out we have a cheat code we can just convert the big free odds and tell you that's the percentage <laughs> right like they'll figure that out eventually right yeah. and um you know we got the answer key the answer key is out there guys it's not that fucking hard no. uh you don't need uh you know some you know some quant cranking out numbers to put on the NFL broadcast about the current win probability. You could just, you know, 
go look at deck prism stuff <laughs> yeah, go, <laughs> there go, i got it for you go, go, <laughs> yeah yeah go pay yeah. for the api pay for, for the api of, yeah for pinnacle That's you know pinnacle, yeah. that, that there's there's one way to get it um but the um uh you know we joked about black box stupid you know garbage in garbage out kind of modeling in the past but like they thankfully put this i think they must have put it out of its misery but IBM used to have a project where they were producing oh my wind probabilities for tennis matches that were mind-blowingly oh, stupid, horrid. like impossibly bad. Like, how could this be this bad kind of stuff? Um, and, you know, thankfully that has been taken out behind the barn and shot. But... <laughs> yeah, that's and that's only the second worst thing IBM has ever done in their history. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't even know why I let into that. Top Top Gun, huh? Yeah, what'd you think? <laughs> Fuck, it was good. It was so predictable. Like everything was predictable, and it was still great. Yeah. They, I mean, you know the music, the Harold Faltermeyer, the the opening <laughs> theme. Yeah. Well, not not even not even the um, Danger not, Zone. Not the, not Kenny Loggins. No, the 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 bell. Oh you know, yeah. The dong. Yeah. And then do 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 yep. do do yep. like it opens with that spoiler alert, and okay. you just get a cold shiver like fuck yeah this is we're going full Top Gun but yeah it was there's like 15 callbacks and homages and they're all perfect and it was probably like people are somebody was mad it's like how is this better than the first one I don't know because it's 2022 and they have better <laughs> like we have better filming and you know cameras yeah. and shit they tried yeah. to make this in the 80s r.i.p tony scott like they did what they could and the you know the original was still very good so whatever i i really liked it and i'm pissed that i missed some things while i was in the movies but it's never good when there's like your Twitter is just lit up when you come out like oh there's a lot of messages there's messages on slack and then I'd oh yeah, just all kinds of shit going on. So um yeah, go see it is what I would say. I give okay. it four fighter pilots up, four fighter jets up. <laughs> and it was it's weird having a sequel made like 30 years later, though. Yeah. Like, but whatever, and it's it's crazy. Like Tom Cruise is aged how many years? Still looks Two, really good. Three, five. And then Miles Teller just apparently giving him a shitty mustache and those sunglasses. Like it's like, Oh my God. He just, that's all it took to make him look exactly like Anthony Edwards. Not the Timberwolves, different, different guy, but uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to play some two. It's a different, they have the same name. Drew. They have the same name. I'm going to go play. I'm gonna, I might go play some volleyball this weekend. What did you, I know you're coming back from Hawaii, but to close, did you, did you cook anything cool for Memorial Day? <laughs> no, no. You were you were beat. Hanging out. Just, oh yeah, just sure. jet lagged. <laughs> yep, just recovering. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm full farm to table now. Honestly, nothing was better than just cutting asparagus right out of the goddamn garden. Oh, very throw it on the grill. So well played. One with the land, guys. You know, I love it, man. Given, oh man, look at the like Rangers taking a two-one lead. Oh really? Fucking crazy, man. I don't know how the second period started. Lightning. Uh, Evergreen lightning, content. Lightning, here, not, uh, lightning not doing their damn jobs. What the hell? Yeah, I thought they had a good goalie. Yeah, what the Never going to hear the end of it from that Albert character. <laughs> so, all right. Well, 
if you're interested in the NBA or tennis, give us a follow here on Twitter or uh, rate and review the podcast. Or do so. I feel like you should ask you guys to do something. I never do. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up. Yes. Um, tweet Ted Drew and say something nice about his hair. Oh, tweet at go. me and say something nice about my asparagus. Otherwise, just have a cool day. Good luck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Drew, you got anything else? Or are we good to call it? No, today? that's great, man. Let's uh, call, let's call, call it. it a day. Think the lightning going to come back stronger than ever? It's a good team, but again, it is, it's in New York, right? Yeah. The series hasn't started. <laughs> <laughs>